Hey everyone, this is Jim with FaithTestedByFire.com, and I'm here today with another Faith Tested by Fire podcast. Today I want to talk about restoring hope during times of trouble. And I actually went through a somewhat of a troubled time over the last several days uh, with a uh, member of the, the family uh, having an accident. And, you know, it's interesting, but for some reason, when your inward man is really built up and you have assurance in your heart, strong faith, it seems hard to foresee you being any other way. It's almost like um, confidence, you can have confidence in such a way, even in just natural things, that if something happens, you don't get upset about it because you've been there before, you know how to fix that particular problem. But then every once in a while, you find yourself in a position where you're struggling and you know better, but the things that you know don't seem to really be benefiting you like you thought they would. And that's why I want to talk about today is restoring hope. Just the human condition, everything about us is in a constant need of restoration and repair. For example, um, you go to bed and you wake up in the morning and you have to take a shower. Um, You have to brush your teeth. You have to eat again. Um, And even around the house, I mean, you know, Weeds grow in the yard or, or, or whatever. Gas needs to be put back in the car. We're constantly renewing not just ourselves but everything around us because all you have to do is just not do anything and everything starts to break down and decay. Everything starts to wear. And so when it comes to spiritual things, it's not any different. Just because you were encouraged in your heart yesterday or a certain truth seemed alive to you yesterday – um, there are circumstances and life has a way of taking out of you the, the fuel, uh, that energy, that just, just like driving a car, there's no way to drive 10 miles without burning gas. And just like you, as you go through the tests and trials of life, or to even basic life, there's no way not to use inward fuel, not just physical fuel, but a fuel of the inward person, the inner man, the hidden man of the heart, the Bible calls him. So I wanted to talk about restoring hope during times of trouble, because when troubles come, we, it, it burns even more of that inward fuel. Um, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 12, it says that hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when a desire comes, it is a tree of life. So what is hope? Hope is, as one person put it, it's seeing the reaching, right? It's seeing the end result. It's seeing a positive end result, okay? So if you want to walk from your house three or four houses down to visit somebody or to the end of the block, when you walk down the street, all things being equal, you look at where you're going, right? Isn't that true? Because you need to see where you're walking and where you're walking to. And 
you, you see your destination and that's what you move towards. What would happen if you couldn't see your destination? Well, you wouldn't know what direction to move in or what direction to move towards. That's just a, a very simple explanation that I'm throwing out there because it says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Another translation says faith is the substance of things hoped for. Uh, or the materiality, like some people would say. Now, I'm one of the people that believes that faith in and of itself is really just a door that we open. Because the Bible says, by grace are you saved, through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. So I believe that faith is simply the door that God gives us the opportunity to open. He gives us that ability to believe when we hear. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible says, and hearing by the word of God. So when we hear, when faith starts to come, it's like seeing a light where there wasn't a light before. And we have the opportunity to look towards that light or we can harden our hearts and walk away. Okay, and there's people that did that. In the Old Testament, the Bible talks about an evil heart of unbelief. Because the people during that time, they saw the works of God over and over again. When Moses led them out of the wilderness, or what led them out into the wilderness from Egypt, for 40 years, an entire generation, the people saw God's miracle power at work in delivering them, in parting the Red Sea, and, and a lot of different ways God's power manifested itself. But they always hardened their heart. They always forgot the victory. And they complained about the problems that they face today. You know, sometimes nobody really thinks about yesterday in, in terms of the good things. They forget about them. Or they become comfortable and they don't realize what they have. And then suddenly when what they have is taken away, then they get mad. They get frustrated. And I understand that because that's what the, that's what the fallen nature of, of man is like. But when you have God's spirit within you, as a person who believes, you have that check inside of you. You have that desire to have hope, to be hopeful. The Bible says that um, Jesus is the hope of glory. So when we look to the future now with our eyes, we see our hope is that we will be within God's presence, that all the tears and the sorrow will be wiped away, and that there will be peace and joy and an abundance of all kinds of good things forever. There is a hope of being reunited and seeing the face of the people that you love again. That's a, that's a hope that we hold inside of us. Now, the Bible says that hope deferred makes the heart sick. So it, when, when a believer dies, the Bible says we're not like them that, that have that sorrow, because we believe that we will see these people again. Now, if somebody doesn't believe, then there's sorrow because the last time you saw that person alive, the last time you saw that person smile, that's the last time you're ever going to see them ever, forever and ever and ever. That's what those people believe in. And so they are hopeless. They are without hope when they think about the future because that person is never going to be in their future, right? So we have loved ones, we have friends, and, and sometimes... They pass on before us. That's the way life goes. But as believers, as part of the family of God, we have the hope in us 
that we will see these people again, and then when we see them again, we'll never be separated from them again. Matter of fact, the Bible says that when you go to be with the Lord, you'll be with him forever. So in other words, there's no more. This is the time of testing, right? There's only so many quarters in the game. There's only so many halves in the game, right? Four quarters in some sports, two halves in some sports, or periods if you're talking about hockey, or sets made up of games and a tennis match. In other words, it doesn't go on forever. Our time here doesn't go on forever. And when the, in the midst of the heat of the battle, especially if you're doing poorly, it's very discouraging. Everything seems uphill. But time will put it all in a different perspective. I've talked about this a lot, about how when you look back at your past, there are certain situations that just seem to go on and on and on. And we magnify those times when they're bad and you're in them and you don't seem to be making progress. It just seems that all of the other times of life both that which we've experienced and what's to come, it just falls away. And all there is is the misery of the moment. Okay, so when you're in that, there are, some people make the choice. It's an easy choice to make, but it has miserable consequences to harden your heart, to cast hope aside and just, like Job's wife suggested, just curse your day and die. But there's the other part of us that doesn't want to give up, that doesn't want to give in that doesn't want to go under. And that is the part of us that's made in the image and the likeness of God. And so when hope, defer, hope deferred, it says, makes the heart sick, when we can't see where we're going, when we can't see our, the destination within reach, then we feel sick in our heart. So if hope deferred makes the heart sick and faith is the assurance of things hoped for without hope, your faith cannot, let's put it this way. Imagine you reach into your pocket and you pull out a coin and you put it down and that's going to pay for something that you're purchasing. And the person picks up the coin. We could say a bill, but a coin sounds better. And the other side is blank, completely smooth. Or if you insist on it being a bill, you put down the bill person picks it up the other side is completely blank there's nothing on it so that that unit of exchange so to speak is no longer valid the transaction is canceled well faith needs hope the bible says in the old testament the scriptures were written that you might have hope you might want to jot that down romans 15:4 the scriptures were written that you might have hope so faith is the assurance of things hoped for. If there's no hope, faith has nothing to give assurance to. If you take faith as the substance of things hoped for, you've got the same outcome. Without the hope, faith has nothing to be the substance of. So it's seeing the reaching. It's seeing the reaching. And the scriptures were written so that you would have hope. So not only does faith come by hearing, but hope comes by hearing. And hope is the forerunner. Hope precedes faith. Kind of like, I guess if you look at it, at the chariot and the horse, hope is out front. Hope is leading you to the destination. Okay? Now, we see this actually in action in the Gospel of Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 17, 
Let me pull it up here quickly. Matthew 17. And if we go down to verse number uh, 14, it says that when, this is King James Version. And when they were come to the multitude, there came to him a certain man kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is lunatic and sore vexed, and oft times he falleth into the fire, and oft into the water. And I brought him to thy disciples, and they could not cure him. So that's just like saying, you know, I, I went to the, to the people that were supposed to have faith, and they weren't able to get results. Verse number 17. Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him to me. He didn't say, I understand how you feel. He didn't say, that's terrible. Let's, let me see what I can do. He automatically responded to the inability to get results with, oh, faithless and perverse generation. And then it says, and Jesus rebuked the devil, and he departed out of him, the boy, that is, and the child was cured from that very hour. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could we not cast him out? In other words, we were using your name. We were doing it. They had results. You can read the previous chapters. They did the same miracles Jesus was doing when he sent them out. And Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. The word there for unbelief is translated in the Greek, apistia. A-P-I-S-T-I-A, apistia. So it's like if you were going to say this in the Greek, it would be because of your apistia. That's why you couldn't get results. And then he goes on to say that all you need is a little bit of faith like a mustard seed. But then in verse 21, interesting, he says, How be it this kind goeth not out by prayer and fasting. He might be talking about this kind of unbelief, not this kind of devil. Because prayer doesn't change God. It changes you. Fasting doesn't, God never changes. He's the same always. But we do change. We're not consistent. We're inconsistent. Howbeit this kind, very possibly talking about unbelief, doesn't go out by prayer and fasting. Or it could, could have meant that if you're facing this kind of a demon, then you're going to have to be prayer, prayer and fasting is going to have to be part of your curriculum, so to speak. It's going to be something that you're going to have to practice because you're not going to be able to deal with that kind of apistia unless you've been praying and fasting. So that's possible also. Either way, it puts everything back on us, doesn't it? doesn't put it on God. He didn't say because you haven't stormed the gates of heaven. It's because, now here's the thing. In Luke 18, 1, Jesus said men ought to always pray and not faint and give up. Do you know why he said don't give up, don't faint? It's not because the devil is so strong when compared to God, when compared to prayer. I mean, Look at what Jesus did, and look at what the disciples did, and look what happens today, even. Maybe it doesn't happen as consistently as we'd like to see it, but the reason why we have to be persistent is because we're continually dealing with unbelief. I mean, Jesus himself said, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? So it's not merely um, believing a set of facts. Two and two equals four. Here I am in this situation. I'm plugging the two and two formula together to get four. Then you don't get four. And you're wondering what happened. You're wondering about all of these things. And the wondering is no different than the disciples wondering, 
Why could we not cast it out? The answer is always the same. It's because of your unbelief. And unbelief can be caused by self-doubt. It can be caused by self-condemnation. It can be caused by all kinds of things. It can be caused by not knowing the truth, not knowing what the Bible says. But the thing is, here, and here's the nice thing about it. This week, I faced unbelief in myself. For some reason, I was in a situation, I was trying to pray, and every negative and every every negative feeling I was wrestling with. And if I had to take a lie detector test and somebody said, do you believe you're believing? Are you believing? If I said yes, I think it would have beeped or the, the little pen thing would have jumped. He's lying. He doesn't believe it. He's not telling the truth. You know, and, and, you know, I examine my heart. And sometimes when you examine yourself, you see all kinds of things wrong. You know, well, if God's not happy with me, and, and you, you put yourself back in a, in a position where you're under the law again, where everything is performance-based. So if you did really well, if you treated people right, you're going to have confidence. If you didn't treat people so well or you said something you shouldn't have said or did something you should have done and you kind of just, you know, like buried it under or did a quick, sorry, Lord, I'll try to do better next time, but your heart really wasn't in it. You know how it is. You're as human as I am. Um, then your confidence starts to waver, especially if you don't see results right away. So Jesus didn't have that problem because he, he kept that communication line going. And you may say, oh, well, you know, I have a hard time keeping that communication going because I have to work. You know, I have responsibilities. I can't be like sitting in a prayer closet all day. Well, Jesus didn't sit in a prayer closet all day. Actually, he did most of his praying at night or very early in the morning. Then he went out and he dealt with people all day long. Demon-possessed, sick, lepers, and it says he healed them all. But it says he couldn't do any mighty work in his own hometown because the unbelief, that same word, because of the apistia of the people. So we are in um, Matthew seventeen twenty. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 3. I'm going to finish here. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, lest there be... Now, he's talking to people who already believe. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the evil... departing from the living God. Read that again. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So... It's the same word of unbelief. It's the same kind of unbelief that Jesus said they couldn't cast the devil out. And here it's saying that it's evil. Unbelief is evil. You know, sometimes you can coddle unbelief and nurse unbelief. And that's understanding. We can understand it with each other. But Jesus didn't nurse anybody when it came to unbelief. He rebuked them for doubting. He rebuked them for being fearful often. He dealt with people right where they were at. Now, if you think, well, this is unjust for God to require me to have such incredible faith, it doesn't take incredible faith. All it takes is faith as a grain of mustard seed because the problem isn't your faith. The problem, most likely, and this is just me talking, being real with you, is that your hope has been deferred. You can't see reaching anymore. When I talk about a situation you're struggling with, you can't see yourself reaching the solution. Right When the destination is within sight, whether the sight is visible, 
by your two physical eyes are visible in your heart, there's a sense of, of hope, anticipation there. We're going to see the, we're going to see it visibly soon. You know, you're driving to the park for the day. The park may be miles away. You can't see it. But as soon as you get in that car, you can see it in your heart. You're anticipating what the day is going to be like, the food that you're going to eat, the sights, the sounds, the smells, the laughter. You're anticipating that you're seeing yourself reaching that in your heart and it changes your whole disposition for the whole day. But now couple that with you go to see somebody that you prayed for and they're worse than they were the day before. And you see that with your eyes and suddenly you can't, in your heart, you can't see yourself reaching the answer anymore. Instead, you, you lower your hope to see something. Well, maybe we can just get them by. Or, or, or maybe we can just put a tourniquet on this situation and lose part of our, part of our leg, so to speak. And so faith is the assurance of things hoped for. If our hopes are very low, then so is our faith and our experience is nothing to get overly excited about. And as we begin to experience less and less, we lower our hopes accordingly. But the Bible was written that you might have hope. So when you go back to the Bible, your mind becomes renewed. You see the promises of God. You start to say them with your mouth. You start to pray. And this is the thing. I notice that when I pray, sometimes I don't even know what I need. I just know I need some kind of help on the inside. Maybe I'm feeling negative or I'm feeling down or I'm feeling confused. And I don't even know what to ask for. You can pray in the Spirit, like the Bible says. If, if you, that doesn't even feel like it's doing for you or you're not going to do it long enough, maybe you just cry out to God for mercy because look at all the people in the Bible that cried out to God for mercy. Lepers and blind people. Son of David, have mercy on us. Have, what does mercy mean? Mercy means, you know, I've got nothing to give you. I've got nothing to give you right now. All I'm doing is asking. I've got nothing to give in return. And Jesus met them right where they're at. So you've got to be honest with yourself. You've got to be honest with God. And take the time to pour your heart out. Think about the heart-to-hearts that you've had in your lifetime. Maybe you haven't had a lot of them with people. And how that changes things. How that can renew an entire relationship with somebody. Or it wipes out all of the, the doubts that you may have been having. And that communication is real. You can have that with God. You can pray. And God will reach down inside you and start to change things. And you'll leave that time of prayer, even if it's five minutes. And you'll feel better and you won't be able to put your finger on the reason why. Why? Because this is what the Bible says. It's not by power or by might, but it's by God's Spirit. The Bible talks about salvation. It's not of him that wills or him that runneth. In other words, it doesn't make any difference whether whether you're willing or not willing insofar as your own strength. It's not your own strength that does it. Our own strength, that's why Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. It's coming. It's being honest with yourself. It's being open. It's confessing the junk and getting your own heart healed so that it can be fertile ground for fresh hope and fresh faith. Anyway, I hope that helps you. I got to tell you, it helped me just talking, just talking about it. I feel better than when I started today. So thank God for that. I hope it did that for you also. Anyway, let me just say before I go, if you want to get an update every time a new podcast is posted or article on the website, please go to www.faithtestedbyfire.com. 
You can sign up there for the update list, and we will send you an email every time a new podcast has been posted. That's it for today. This is Jim. God bless you. Have a great week, and I'll talk to you again soon.